Dave Max Cork History Matters, brought to you by Red FM. Ros Crowley, we're going to talk about an element of Cork history. In this case, the first Irish rock festival in McCroom in 1977, the Mountain Dew Festival, ran for seven years. You've written the book on it, and I spotted you on TV over Christmas, and I said, I must get on to this lady now and uh, find out a little more about it. How are you? I'm very well, and fair dues to you. You're the first person to contact me after the documentary. How Ireland Rocked the 70s, Brian Redden, Jarrod Films, um, and it told the story of... I suppose the the you know because the sixties uh, 60s was about the show bands really in Ireland uh, and they lingered into the seventies but seventies was when sort of a nascent rock and roll scene took off to some degree in Ireland and there was a few false starts like uh, Richmond Park the home of St Patrick's Athletic Festival in nineteen seventy that happened with Mungo Jerry what was his big hit at the time in the summertime in the summertime there you go yeah. um, but they, it, it, it it didn't work. Uh, I think they had only 1,500 people and they wanted about 5,000. So uh, ultimately, really, the first rock and roll festival that happened in Ireland happened in Cork. And you've written the book about it. So where did you come to it? You you, you published the book as well. So I, I did. And in, that was how I was approached, actually, was to publish a book about the McCoon Mountain Dew Festival. I got the bare bones of, of the book. And I said, you know, I really think it needs to be fleshed out. And um, the McCoon, two members of the McCoon committee came to me and I said, you know, it's not really ready for publication in its present state. I, I thought it needed a lot of texture, interviews with people um, about their reminiscences and so on. And they said, well, yeah, that sounds like a really good idea, you know, because actually, you know, a book needs quite a lot of words to, to have a bit of a hold, you know, in your hand. And um, it, there, was, there was a lot of information there, but there wasn't quite enough texture. So what, 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 what so, you had begun, sorry, what, did you, what was there to begin with? Yeah, there, there was the skeleton. There were right. sort of facts and figures, really. Yes. Was that you that had put that together? Or, or no, no, oh, somebody yeah. else had. Yeah. So um, they came to me and said, well, what do you think we can do with this? You know, because I was a cork publisher and they liked, to be fair, to, to keep it cork. So I, uh, I said, well, I, I, I'll have a look at it first of all. And I, I did have a look at it. And I said, I thought it just needed, you know, the kind of texture of interviews with people who were there, the, um, the musicians and so on. So they said, well, can you find somebody to do that? And I said, I, I can. And I, I have I know a team of writers. Um, but of course, when I started to look at it, I thought, golly, like this is for me. I'm not handing this over to anybody else because I come from a musical family mm-hmm. and my uh, brother, Peter, had a band called the Axles. And he, Rory Gallagher, used to kind of guest with him the odd time or if he was there listening to him, to the band, um, he'd join in. Mm-hmm. So and Peter and Rory were good friends. And so they were kind of really intense kind of musicians, you know, the way Rory was. And my brother was the same in, in, in a different way. He loved the kind of Latin music and they'd have discussions about that kind of thing and where the chords came from and so on. So um, I, it was kind of really appealed to me. And I, I, you know, the band used to practice in our house at home, you know, so I kind of. I, I really grew up wanting to be in the band, you know, but I was about 11 and uh, it wasn't, uh, wasn't possible. I, uh, I ended up um, knitting ties for them and uh, knitting a tie for Rory Gallagher. That was the closest that I, closest that I got to um, a connection. And then as I grew up, I, I was sort of allowed to go the odd time to see the axles because my brother was playing in it and, you know, he'd, he'd bring me home. And um, I have another brother, Nick, who who also has ended up being a professional musician um, as well as doing some acting in London. So, you know, it was just kind of there all the time. I mean, I just... Where, where, where what venues would you go to to see the Axles play? That'll bring you yeah, um, back That's a good question now because um, there was a club, I think it was like St. Francis Hall, oh, but yeah. I wasn't allowed to go there, actually. Yeah, yeah. I really wasn't. I'll tell you what they used to do is... As um, Rory became popular, I think maybe the Axes played ahead of Rory's band, you know, as an opening band in the City Hall. There was a famous one then. Um, and uh, my brother then was in another band called the Modernaires, which sounds really awful. But they were a good band. They used to, actually, the Axles and various um, bands that he was in, they did very good cover versions of the Beatles songs. And 
you know, it, it wasn't done that much really, you know, because the, the other sort of competition to groups like there, as they were called, groups, and then you had the show bands and they did a much more country and Western kind of thing that that we, you know, didn't really Is like. Because I, I had it that show bands covered the pop music of the day. But you're saying it had, was there a mix of that, but it was kind of a bit more on the country and Western sort of thing? Um, country and Western and ballad. Hmm. You know, I don't think they did much. Be- they might right. have done a Beatles song, you know, on yeah. the set, but I don't know. That, that was the impression I had about the show bands. Bands didn't travel to Ireland, so Irish bands would play the popular songs of the day. Well, they probably did. So I wasn't that interested in, in them yeah. at that stage because yeah, yeah, I was yeah. a groupy group, yeah. <laughs> a group groupy. Um, so, uh, but they, yeah, they, I'm sure they did, you know, they, they would have done. Um, so if you're into you groups, know, you're a groupie. I mean, obviously the term groupie has a different yeah. sort of connotation, but, but, but maybe initially if you were not into show bands and you were into groups, you were a groupie. Okay. Maybe, maybe. Well, there's okay. a thought. I had no, to put that thought together, but anyway. You might have coined me. that in this conversation. <laughs> no, but I hear what you're saying. There's a little bit of a divide there on that, and they were doing something a little. They were a little bit more alternative, and that's what they the were, rock and roll scene were. And you know, the show bands dressed very formally, mm-hmm. and the bands were much more beaty. They sort of mm-hmm. like I know the the axles now, for example, had a jerk and a kind of a, a navy jerk, and that was probably fake leather. Um, and they had these narrow ties that I knitted and white shirts. Mm-hmm. But that was that was sort of nearly alternative to the bigger suits and the maybe the white suits. And yeah, no, and it kind of made that clear in that documentary it, it did yeah. sort of distill the difference and then about how the show bands started to introduce a little bit of that coolness as 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 i suppose it penetrated further into the market and they probably wanted to throw off the shackles a little bit and the, so it was the more formal straight-laced side of things even though probably to a whole section of society the show bands themselves were the the devil's work but to the cooler are, end of things they weren't cool enough or alternative enough or edgy enough no, and you know, you ask a good question about where the, where the axles played, and I, as I say, I, do, I hardly remember. All right, but, I was just thinking, could it be the, the Arcadia or places like that? Yes, yes, they did. The Arcadia, mm-hmm. you're reminding me. Um, and then the show bands then would have been playing in the, the Majorca. Yeah, uh, you know, in Crosshaven, that yeah. was bigger venues, yeah. really bigger dance venues. You know, I suppose maybe some of the bands were, or the groups were for listening to rather than big dancing to, big yes. formal dancing yes. to, you know, yes. Yes. and and the sort of I suppose uh, there was rock and roll everywhere hmm. um, at that time. Um, but I think the the sort of Beatles influence was more of a kind of a standing and shaking kind of dance, really, wasn't mm. it? Mm. No. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But where are we? Where are we early to mid 70s here? I mean, it's like, again, that documentary sort of made it clear about how um, this scene sort of developed rather slowly and it wasn't necessarily hugely allowed by 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 official Ireland, let's say. I mean, what was I looking at reeling in the years last night in 1978 was RTE2. I think it was arguably the same year that Radio 2 came about where pop music was played on the national airwaves prior to that you couldn't hear it anywhere except with the pirates like like the youth of ireland had to develop their own space uh, and, yes. and it, it wasn't opened up for them necessarily no and you know um a, f- a point that a few people made um to me about in the book was that um rory gallagher wasn't played much on rte at all mm. it took a long time for him to be played mm. and it's not peculiar you know, when you well, consider that there was an essence of great talent there. Well, when you think of how conservative Ireland was back then, may, maybe not. I mean, this was a, yeah. an edgier, he was a rock and roll guy with the axe guitar. And he was, you know, he was Ireland's first great uh, rock hero. No question about it. He was, and, and blues, was, you know, that's that sense and, of the blues, you know. And he was the first here. to play. He he was what. So let's get to the McCroom story. You know, Ireland's first rock festival happened in Cork, happened for seven years. It's in a it's arguably an unusual location for it, a village of 3000 people. Who were the people that dreamt it up and why did they dream it up based on the... Oh, so because so, we've established your bona fides as a sort of a, you're, you know, you're a musical family and a musical person. And, and as you were as you were given this manuscript to potentially publish about it in the run-up to the 40th anniversary of the festival, you kind of looked at it and thought, it needs more. And then you thought, I'm the one to give it the more. Yes. Uh, so w- w- where did you go then yeah. with that? And well, yeah, it? they didn't, you know, the committee didn't take much persuasion, really. They said, off, off with you. Oh, I'm sure they were delighted. Yeah. And we, have someone, we have someone who knows what she's doing. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope that's what they thought. <laughs> you know, I think they were a risk taker kind of kind of gang. And uh, they thought, you know, let her off and see what comes back. You know, I, I was going to have to show them the script, you know, before. Well, come it, here, they must be a risk taking so, gang. Well, they were. And they wouldn't want to start the thing in the first place. Exactly. I mean, what I admire about them is that, you know, McCroom, Ireland is on its heels. OK, it was the year of that Concord was launched. But it was also the year of the third bank strike in Ireland. Mm. You know, things were very, very tough. Again, reeling in the years, six month bank strike, people yes. watching. I can, yes. like, it's hard to even credit what that means. Well, what it means is you couldn't get cash. You couldn't so people get were cash. using coupons in, in <laughs> I don't know, it's hard to even fathom. Yeah. Uh, it really I is. Think- and it's kind of why it's interesting to do this chat too, because I hope there'll be people who will listen to our conversation and try to reflect on a, a very different time and about how, you know, the electric picnics of today, you know, this this is the roots of it. And, yeah. and it wasn't easily done. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. And, you know, I mean, on the, on the plus side, I think people spent on tick that they mightn't ever have spent it all you know i know i bought a painting you know and i just i went to an exhibition i just love this this thing and i just said i haven't got any money but i'll, I'll have it sometime and they said oh, no, let me put it aside for you you know i you know i mean what was i doing you know because i didn't have any money really but i i knew i could have it sometime so i i did that and um so the committee you know mccroom was as bad as anywhere else you know business wise um if not a bit worse they only had a population of 3,000, you know, to, to, to feed their village, if you like. And people were going through the village. They were, um, they weren't stopping, they were stopping, you know, for uh, an ice cream, you know, and uh, moving on to Kerry. And they said, what can we do to keep them in, in the town? So um, they went through, you know, baby competitions and flower festivals and all sorts of things. But there was, the committee had some experience of bringing in um, musical artists to the bars the pubs around the place so and also for events fundraising events for maybe the GAA or social clubs so they weren't completely new to the business of booking acts so they they decided on this idea so they said right what what do we have to do we have to get numbers in so they again took a risk of getting the dome from the Tralee you know the um, Rose of Tralee festival stuck that on a site in the village. They said, now we've got to fill it, you know. So it had a, um, a capacity of about 3,000. So um, they they had um, local bands on the bill. Um, they had, um, uh, then they hit on the idea of getting Marianne Faithful. And when they put her on the bill, there was, an, an interest was created. People still didn't necessarily book tickets for it, but they did turn up on the night. So you can imagine how tough now that was for the committee holding their breaths, you know, but huge numbers came. I mean, they easily filled put 3,000 uh, through the dome. And, and you know, there's talk of so many people coming in, they were kind of going out one door and coming in another, you know, and uh, it was a huge success. So they they actually made money from, from that particular one. So they were greatly encouraged to think, but they, they accepted then at that moment that, they really needed to have a big name to get people in. That it wasn't enough to have the band from down the road, great as you know, as support and everything, but not to to bring the big numbers in from Cork particularly because they needed more people than their population. So, uh, well, when they thought of Rory Gallagher, of course, that was an, an inspired choice. Um, let me let me just let me just check with you, Rose. Right, so um, yeah. Marianne Faithful. I mean, there's 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 a story of so the, the next big rock gig was Daily Mount Park with uh, Thin Lizzy, and uh, seemingly it was the night after. It was August, I think, of the same year that Mountain Dew's first festival occurred. Mm-hmm. I'm well, it could be. So was it the next year? I'm not sure. It, yeah, seventy eight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, seventy eight. But anyway, yeah. I think it was his twenty eighth birthday the night before the Daily Mount gig, and they went. They were they were boozing it up in town, and then they went out to like one of the the Guinness family's house in Kildare, and there was like the cops raided it 
and uh, they, they they threw all their stash into the fire and then made their way back and did the gig the next day. But Marianne Faithful was hanging around with Mick Jagger. She stayed in that Guinness. So she was around Ireland at that time. So that wasn't the first Mountain Dew Festival, was it? That, it that, was. That was the first one. That so was the first one. Marianne's so year. Gallagher was not yeah. the first one. He was just the one that kicked it into a bigger sort of... He was. And it was the, it was the first one to go outside. Gotcha. So yeah, and what, sure. was that 76 yeah. then was Marianne Faithful in the Dome, 3,000 exactly. people. And they kind of went, you know what, that worked well. How do we go bigger? <laughs> exactly. Well, I'll tell you, they, yeah, they did. Because, well, they first of all, when they thought of Rory Gallagher, they said, well, how can we fit all his fans? I think it was probably more that. that uh, OK. Oh, like, so maybe. Oh, right. no. Yeah. So that's interesting to ask, actually, because. Because the story in the documentary, which maybe I'm cutting across and I should leave you, just give it to me, but was that um, they got to him through his mother. But did they have him or the venue first? Was it we got Gallagher, now we need to go bigger or we're going to go bigger and we need Gallagher? Who knows? <laughs> well, no. well I, I, I can tell you because they, they as it said in the documentary, it was uh, Rory, Rory was, or maybe it wasn't said enough, is that Rory was very particular about quality of sound and and how he sounded and how he wouldn't disappoint fans. So he when they when um, uh, they contacted him, they thought, well, you know, it's going to bring ten thousand people into McCroom. Like, where are we going to put them? It's not the dome isn't going to be big enough. Gotcha. So, uh, mother, <laughs> Donald, first of all, Donald and Rory's mother was contacted first of all to persuade him at all, you know, yeah. to consider it. Yeah. Um. So, we kind of Rory was hardly in on the conversation at at this point. It was uh, Donald really trying to make it possible, you know, and make it work. And and you know, they were very fond of their mother, obviously, and they wanted to please her, and uh, they didn't want to annoy her by not doing it. So. When um, when Donald met with the committee and looked at the uh, at the castle grounds, they saw well, actually, you know, this is not a bad shape. You know, I mean, it wasn't a full amphitheatre, but kind of half of a one, really, a big a big slope, and not a bad uh, not a bad shape at all. And you could see that there is an, an area where you could put, um, a, a, you know, a stage and so on. So. It, it sort of started to evolve. And, you know, Rory's brother, Donald, is a creative person. You know, no doubt about it. I mean, he has kept the legacy going and he has, he's, he's got something, you know, he really has something that um, uh, is quite, uh, yeah, creative, I think is the word. So we doing one thing and another. Uh, well, the next problem then is quality of sound, right? So um Rory had been involved in a number of concerts in the UK and there was a terrific um, uh, sound uh, machine over there, if you like, a, a Britannia company that did a lot of, you know, the big, um, the big named um, concerts, outdoor concerts in England. So they, they agreed to do it. So that meant, I think that satisfied Rory then, you know, that it would be done properly, that the quality of sound would be good and that all he'd have to do is go on and play, you know, yes. and um, and they did set it up. And I mean, like it was said to be, it, it had the highest decibels of, uh, of uh, music of sound uh, in Ireland up to that point. And um, they said that from, I think, 15 miles circumference. Um, it could Here is in Kerry! <laughs> and you know, like there was no, there was no complaints about noise pollution now yeah. for that concert, yeah. and it was clear. I mean, it, it was very interesting to hear, you know, how much people were thrilled with that. You know, in a way, um, I'm surprised the authorities let it go ahead in the conservative Ireland that we spoke of. And well, you know, I, I think. I think they didn't know what hit them, you know, possibly. And I don't think there was that sort of um, body, you know, that that was looking at stuff like that. It hadn't been created, you know, that, at that so it was It was too novel for anyone to realise the dangers that lay within. Yeah, I think so. I, and then, you mentioned Donal, and I look forward to doing a bit of a, a chat with him to 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 get gather his some of his reminiscences uh, in the future on one of these Cork History yeah, Matter podcasts, because it's, oh. a, it's a it's a it's a an interesting part of, of oh, Cork's history. It, it um, is, and he has a lot to say, you know. Because I think, as you as you yeah. mentioned there, it was, uh, it, and in that documentary, How Ireland Rocked the 70s, he spoke about how his mom kept badgering him, saying, listen, this crowd keep bringing me from a groom. And he went up more to placate them more yeah. than anything else and yeah. had the wander round, but on the wander round kind of thought, actually, this might work. Exactly. And, and it sort of... Um, 
rolled on from there. But uh, he also, I think, told a story of of calling down to the the Garda superintendent and having dinner in his house. And yeah. by chance, the TV was on and it showed <laughs> the Isle of Wight Rock Festival. <laughs> And in the Isle of Wight Rock Festival, they're all walking around with big reefers and all doing whatever. And the, and seeming your man's stuffing the bit of beef into his mouth. And he kind of goes, hang on a second. It's not going to be like that, is it? He goes, oh, no, no, that's a jazz festival. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a quick, rock festival. We're, <laughs> we're a far more sophisticated crowd than those jazz oikes. That's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, it was Montrose, Montrose. Sorry, Trust, not the Isle of Wight. Montrose, exactly. No. It was. And, and I mean... And then, you know, even even that sort of that sort of exposure, if you like, of the story of how they got got all the authorities involved, because they knew, you know, that numbers were could have could have caused trouble. Mm. But, you know, you kind of if you look at Rory's fans and still today, there are loads of them and they're interested in his music. And because it was the first and second, uh, the first outdoor, and he he came back for the second one, the second outdoor one, um, it it didn't sort of develop into that drink fest that you find, you know, in festivals these days. You know, mm-hmm. maybe half the people go for the drink. I don't know, you know, in relation to the to the I don't know other balances with that and the music. But for the Macoon Festival, for the first and second one, I I would wager that. They were there for the music. It was quite dedicated, hardcore music fans. Let me yeah. ask you about the name Mountain Dew. I mean, it fits McCroom. You're 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 up on the mountains more or less. Yeah. They're certainly yeah. around, um, but it kind of played on like the the local poutine, did it? Or the the, the machine? Exactly. That's that's right. That's right. And it was catchy. You know, I mean, if if you know, again, you come back to this this uh, bright committee. And you see, if you think of them, they were yeah, who all, are they? Who are the names? They were they were all about uh, oh god, a huge number of oh uh, no, you don't have yeah. to give me all of them, but you like know, you know, I mean, the- Ma- Martin Fitzgerald was. Was the person who came to me, um, and uh, I dealt a lot with um, O'Connell. Oh, he's in some of the I have the book here. And he, he's grab, it, grab it and show us it. Show us the book. <laughs> there it is, McCrew Mountain Dew. Yeah, author there. Roz Crowley and publisher. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, there's a, a picture of the committee here now, and um, you're nothing to Crowley's I'll music shop, Roz. While we're at it, no. You are? You're nothing to Crowley's music shop, no? I'm not, no, no, but I, I know my brother used to buy when you mentioned the, 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 there, yeah. When you mentioned the musical family, I thought, well, hang on now. Yeah. That's well, where Rory no, got her bought his uh, first guitar up on McCurtain Street. No, my my um, my maiden name, <laughs> for to be Oh, honest, there you go, sure, of uh, course. Is uh, Sandquest. Sandquest? Uh, Sandquest, yeah. Wow, that's an interesting name. So, um, yeah, Swedish origin. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, yeah. Which is, uh, we were all kind of a bit, a bit But um, And just to, to mention the Gallagher there as well, just to tie him in, like he started playing music in the show bands, I think at about 14 or something. Um, he did. He did the Fontana show band, I remember. Um, and uh, oh, yeah, I mean, he, as he cut his teeth in show bands, you know, he, he wouldn't, uh, he'd never deny that. I'm just looking at festival. Uh, committee Pat O'Connell that's who I was trying to think of there Chris uh, Dennis Murphy uh, John O'Callaghan yeah they were they were all they were all in business you know um, in one way or another and it was about like getting getting foot get, as, as t- in today's terminology footfall into McCroom get a get a spend get a spend exactly. going that's, and and, that's, and they, they got a spend going they did and you know like they went for 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 full kind of hell for leather because they, they had two weekends bookending a week of um, other activities, wow. community activities. So it wasn't just a day-long thing? Oh, not at all. No, no. Oh. It was two weekends and it was um, uh, things like uh, pig races and uh, baby competitions and GAA matches. and. Oh, sure, it was one of those kind of like one for everyone in the audience and... It was. It was because they acknowledged that they needed to get McCroom people behind them. Yes. And get them involved. Yes. And and they were they were wise to do that, you know, because I mean it, it, it lasted seven years and that that's that's pretty you know, there's an awful lot of energy goes into seven years of that kind of work. It is work, no doubt about it, you know. And um it 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 took a lot of their energy. So these these festival members, they were only in their twenties in those days. So that the, they had that great, you know, 
youthful <laughs> exuberance and uh, and they enjoyed it all you know they they did and it was it was good for business they could you, see were you at any of them hubs no I wasn't actually <laughs> the odd thing is that um I I guess you know knowing Rory Gallagher you know reasonably well it wasn't such a big thing and I had been to you know concerts of his so if his name came up but I was just busy with other things yeah. at the time I was traveling a lot and um I I didn't get there which is a pity now I, in the I, end I, I had so it's, yeah it's all it's all I mean I had to work harder for the book yes um, well, look, so, so so 76 the, 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 the they got the festival dome off after and it kind of feels almost like a bit of a I don't know, what do you call that? Brick, a stick a brick kind of thing. It's almost like, hang on, you know, Johnny, you can get the dome and you know, you know, and they all sort of assembled it like this, but 76 is the dome, 3000 people, Marion Faithful, let's go bigger. Um, they get on to Gallagher's mom. She badgers Donald. He goes out, has a chat. Rory decides to do it. So the homegrown hero come to play Ireland's first out, first outdoor festival. So exactly. we mentioned the Richmond Park thing, which didn't really work, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I think it just it lacked. Um, it sounded like it lacked promotion. Yes, uh, yes. you know, drive behind it. Across, you know, yeah. I, I I thought that too from the and I, I hadn't really known that you know mm. until I saw the documentary myself. Yeah, no, um, actually, no, that's not what yeah. I've heard of. I must say, I've heard of like obviously the Bohemians uh, fans are proud of the fact that Bob Marley played uh, at Daly Mount Park <laughs> and um, and and fill in it and they've murals up uh, there reflecting that. So the the seventy eight gig in Dublin, I'm I, I'm familiar with. By by lore and by legend and, and also the McCrew Mountain Dew one but that's why I wanted to get onto you was because it was like let's dig a l- little bit deeper into it so what yeah. sort of, I mean so 76, 77 then is the first outdoor Gallagher does 78 as well it runs for about seven odd years or so but what happened then on that first or second one did more than 10,000 come it, it, yes. it ran off successfully yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, it is it, hugely successfully. I mean, there was, you know, the one person that, that I interviewed for the for the book um, describes the sea of denim coming down the the main street. You know, jam packed, and um, you know, it, it was just it, it was much greater. I mean, very hard to quantify. That they say 20,000 20, came into McCroom, and that's not surprising. Mm. And they they filled the place. They they. I mean, I, I, there's one story that you you would have seen in the documentary that they ran out of chips as a result um, and that's just um, that was just a fun side thing but I'll, I mean you know there was no bottled water in those days you know and what people were living on was bottles of milk um, crisp sandwiches uh, chips when they could get them tomato sauce sandwiches probably as well um, and you know when they when a lot of the the Cork fans when they came from um coming from Cork, a lot of them had to walk. They didn't have the money for the bus fare. And they walked 41 kilometers from Cork to McCoon. And I'd say they didn't know what, they, what, what hit them really. It's, it's a long walk, you know. By, and, you know, I mean, there weren't all of these stylish air Nike runners or anything in those days. You know, there were rubber dollies and runners, you know. Mm. Um, so as, as they came into McCoon, and the, the the people living at the at the entrance to McCoom, they saw there was these poor bedraggled kids, you know, and they went in and they made batches of scones and came out with with them for them, you know. The novelty, I, the I, whole I, thing sounds magic. It's lovely, isn't it? And and you know, I, I remember talking to one shopkeeper, and I said, you know, I suppose they were, did people try to sleep in your doorway? Oh, she said they did sleep in our doorway. She said, but well, we didn't move them on. She said, you know, they got up, you know, they went off the next day, but there was none of this kind of, you know, heavy tactics of yeah. of um, a, you know, moving on fans. They they were doing no harm, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, it was so rel- you know, welcomed at the time. They were, they were, and people were very glad to see them. And, you know, again, because so many people were involved in the running of it, and a lot of them um, policed, the, you know, uh, you know, informally, but, but yeah, formally at the same time, they were, they were looked, They looked after their village and... They, and, uh, they did, and the they town, were paid to do it, me. you know. I mean, <laughs> Sorry you know, for uh, anyone McCroom yeah. in the town. <laughs> <laughs> Not village. Yeah. Um, Although the one thing about McCroom is, can anyone decide whether it's in West Cork or not? <laughs> I think of it. Like, 
it's to the west of Cork, en route to Kerry, like, but it's yeah. not really West Cork, West Cork, no. is it? No, it's not really. And I, I think of it as a little bit north as well, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, they kind of, on one hand, they're like, we're not West Cork, we're not North Cork, we're our own, we're our own, we're a place apart. A yeah, place and they're apart. getting a bypass now, of course. They're, oh, they're getting yeah, the bypass so now, they'll be fierce. That'll be interesting to see, actually, what, what happens. It does because yeah, it's, it's actually a beautiful town centre. It is. It would be nice to castle. Yeah, it would be nice to see it develop. I I would be delighted to be able to stop because lots of times Mm. um, it has been difficult to stop. I mean, if there wasn't a a little or an Aldi car park, you'd really be stuck Mm. for parking, you know, and that's Mm. a a few steps away from where you might want to go. Mm. But um, so I I, I hope it will thrive. And I think it may be one of those satellite towns to Cork where people who are working in Cork, you know, will be happier to um, to commute to, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so onwards and upwards for McCroom, uh, we, hmm. we certainly hope. But um, it was yeah. a glorious uh, chapter in in McCroom's history, no question about it. Um, uh, yeah. uh, and and clearly, as you're suggesting there, the, the the people welcome the novelty of it. What was interesting in the documentary too, you know, where while it sort of charted the growth of 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 a music industry or a music scene in Ireland, or the the the, the troubles or the travails or the struggles that there were to establish one, or, or the different forms that they took, it, it did point out that um, something akin to what a rock festival ends up being existed in the Flack Hills. And yes. the um, document, the, the footage of Flack Hills looked very much like how rock festivals can end up being with people on the streets drinking and, and, and carousing and parties. So perhaps there was some sort of a familiarity with, with how it looked as a result oh. of that. Oh, I think so. I mean, well, for a start in Ireland, there's a great tradition of music anyway. And also there's a love of music. There's huge talent. I, I, I think it's extraordinary, you know, what, what talent we we produce and, and export and, you know, have the world enjoy, but but have for ourselves. And in those, I mean, to, to be able to go to, to various villages around Ireland and just walk in and, and enjoy live music. Isn't it, isn't it a treat, honestly? Because there, yeah. there's such talent. And I, I love it. You know, I've often gone down now to um, Coulee and around around there, down to Ballyvorney, mm-hmm. you know, where the, the cultural centre is. And I, I just love when people come along and they somebody else joins in and, mm-hmm. you know, so, oh, yeah, I know that one, you know, and you've got like seven fiddlers, like all of a sudden, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I I think that's natural to us, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and in Cork, as I don't have to tell you, you know, it's between Sinead and the other, um, what's the other one in the Coburg Street? Um, the corner house and the corner house exactly um, you know every time I have visitors you know we, we end up there mm-hmm. and they've always sat down not talking to people you know and then they're just amazed at how natural it is mm-hmm. to everybody you know so I, I think I think music is, is in us like as Absolutely. so many other art forms are I suppose so what were the uh, stories that you, you dug out I think we've got I'm trying to think if I can remember any other of the, the Rory Gallagher ones the mom and him come on up and then the super Superintendent, that was a good one, and um, Gallagher loved it anyway. I think there's, there was footage in the documentary. It might have been from the second year, but of him coming out on stage anyway, and the fans giving the odd comment or two. And uh, uh, the, yeah. the, you know, he was a huge local hero. He he really was, and and you know he as I say he loved his fans. I mean, like the price of the price of the um, of the festival or that that day was was really set by him and Donald at at two two pounds fifty. You know, that's 20 euros in today's money, you know, um, because he didn't want it to be priced out of anybody's reach. Can you imagine? I mean, wouldn't we be lucky now if we only had to spend 20 euro on a concert? Yeah. I felt like I've spent a lot of money going to uh, to to my own heroes, you know, in, in the um uh, in Cork, you know, and it's um, it's it's a very expensive business these days. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, that was part of the charm and I why the prices were to be kept down is that there wasn't this sort of the the I, I think people thought of it as quite a country kind of a spot. So they didn't charge huge amounts. You know, there was there weren't huge agents fees and so on. Mm-hmm. You know, managers didn't uh, for a while mm-hmm. until towards the end, they sort of said, well, no, I think we deserve a little bit more for uh, for uh, of, of the it, action. As it went on over the years. As, as it well, went let, on, yeah. Let me, let me share the screen here just while we're chatting, because I have a piece that you wrote uh, in the examiner in 2016, presumably as you were um, 
developing the book. Um, can yeah. you see it there? Um, yeah, it was actually when it was done. I think that was, let me see, what what date was that? Monday, July. Yeah, the, the June it was launched. Monday 11th so, of July. Yeah. 2016 um, is this piece. Yeah. So that was about a month after the book was launched. Oh, right. Okay. Because sorry, I thought it was for the, oh, because 76 was the first one. Yeah. So I, I have 77 as the date in my mind of of this because that was yeah. the first that was the date that Gallagher played but as we've established yeah. either one was Marian Faithful in the Dome so 76 was the 40th anniversary of it and the yeah. book was was released yeah. to commemorate that um, so you, you can see the screen Ross can you? I can Great. I, and, yeah. uh, I stand by every word. <laughs> uh, well, there, there we can see Gallagher, and there's some fine haircuts and and look <laughs> at how kind of, of hair. actually I think there's footage in the in the documentary as well of him arriving in a, like a sort of Ford Cortina or something or uh, yeah, that's, was, that's actually there it is. There's the corner of the car. There he's just yeah, getting out of it. Yeah, no, I'll tell you what it was now. Um, it was a bit more extravagant than that. <laughs> uh, Ford Cortina. Was it? Uh, what else was? Uh, S- what? Net, no. What else were flat? Was it not not a Mustang or something like that? Uh, Oh, escort Ford Escort. Maybe. Well, I'm I'm gonna go Ford just with the whole cork thing because that would keep it cork, wouldn't it? Uh, Well, you know, the Ford factory. I mean, maybe it had closed by then, Um, but um, I associate Ford cars uh, with cork for for all those reasons. Yeah. Oh, sure. There was it kept an awful lot of people going for a long time. Yeah. But that was actually um, around the time where it had, it had probably gone. It and Dunlops, and that was a major, a major blow, really, for for Cork economically. It was. It um, was. Yeah. But look at while you you dig away, you yeah. keep looking because I I'm going to scroll down here. Because I did, I did write it. I know, but it's just gone out of my head. And what I want? Oh, there it is. There's the Marianne Faithful stuff. Yeah. And there, well, there you go. There's so there's some of the others that played Gallagher, Morrison, Elvis Costello, Paul Young, Paul Brady. A 10 day festival with bands playing indoors during the week with a wide range of fun events, talent competitions, and sports events. And yeah. there's she's looking for Morrison. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, you know, there is the, he had a terrible accident actually. Um, um, on the day, which I think I referred to, um, and uh, he he knocked his crown off. His, he he went into a, a, a some kind of um, uh, piece of uh, of construction of the of the stage and knocked his tooth off. And uh, it, he had to go off stage and uh, put it back in. It was found. That 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 picture you know. actually looks like the moment it happened. Uh, yeah, it does. He's <laughs> certainly got a grimace going on. Oh my oh, tooth. It was not his uh, his happiest of concerts, but you know, well, I, I think talked, I, you know, said this is not unusual. You know, <laughs> by reputation, I think there's a few of those. Yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah. Magella, Elliot, like I mean, there's some fabulous little anecdotes that you have here. We won't go through them all because I would encourage. Actually, look, where where do we have the book? There is the book again. That's oh, how you. it looks. Roz Crowley, forward yeah. by John Martin Fitzgerald, McCrew Mountain Dew. I presume yeah. it's still available to be. Uh, it yeah, it's on. It's online, but it's also in uh, Waterstones, and it's in um, that lovely place, the 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 Arctic, the Nano Needle Centre. Oh, very Nanonagle. good. Oh, yeah. suitably enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Super, uh, super spot. Oh, there you go. Yeah, like sorry, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm reading this and kind of being like, oh, that's what you were telling me yeah. <laughs> about the people arriving, having walked and hitched from Cork, and good relationship yeah. with the Gardies, as festival director John Martin Fitzgerald. Um, Ah, uh, yeah, they had. I mean, you know, they, the the Idi Amin story. So uh, he was a he was a brutal Ugandan dictator. Was he known to be brutal at that time? Yes, yes he was. So um, to to attract a bit of attention, they they invited him because I was it was it the UK were refusing to have him come over or something? It or? was. It was. Yeah, there was. Ash, I mean, you know, who would have had him really? You know, you know, it, ball <laughs> hopping in proper Cork style. This was ball hopping and. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the, the committee was shameless and said, all right, let's try this and see what happens, you know, throw a bit of mud at it and uh, and see what will stick. What's the and Mike Murphy one? Pardon me? Sorry, go on. Sorry, apologies. But I uh, know, I mean, you know, they sent the invitation. He, mm. he, he didn't drive, imagine. Funnily enough. But, you know, if you look there now, I'm just looking at um, at Mike Murphy yes. there. He, he was great fun. And, um, because you mentioned Paul. Concord. Uh, he was on, he was on, I don't know, one of the first ones anyway. I saw that reeling in the ears too. <laughs> is, is that right? I didn't yeah. know that. Sorry. So from, from shipping, uh, sipping um, champagne and canapes on the first Concord to Mountain Dew Festival there in McCroom. Looking well. He's a good, he's a good, like he seems like a really good sort. 
Mike Murphy. Yeah, great sort. And he, we had a lovely chat. And, you know, he was, I think he was in Florida or something when I, uh, when I rang him. And uh, he was quite happy to have, have a good chat. And uh, he enjoyed it. You see, and, and he remembered what went on. One of my huge problems with, uh, with writing the book was um, people's fading memories. Uh, mem- memory, memory, yeah, my memory. Um, because, I mean, 40 years ago, what is it? What I was trying to do was divide it up between the years so that I could be clear who who played what and yes. what the reaction was. Yes. But you know, like there were people who said to me, "Well, you know, Van Morrison was on the stage with Rory Gallagher." No, he wasn't. You know, it just <laughs> didn't happen. It was six years apart. You and know? then they're like, "You weren't even there." No. <laughs> So, and we're like, listen, I've done the research, okay? You were there, you just don't remember. You, you, you were, you know, you were emotional at the time. Oh, golly. So, but I mean, you know, do you think 40 years ago, if you're even 40, you know, you, there's not a whole lot. Um, yeah, yeah, in fairness. That, that, that would come to you. And, and also because, you know, they're all pleasant experiences, you know, they, they all melded into one happy, happy, yes. you know, yes. as, uh, yes. like a dream, you know. Yes. And, yes. Uh, and well, I've and, been to a fair few electric picnics and you're right. I mean, I couldn't tell you which one was which or... Yeah. or yeah. Uh, I think one of the things that was so marvellous, really, it was about, particularly in contrast to concerts I've been into in, in recent times, is that they they got physically close to their um, their heroes. You know, mm. I mean, the, the stage Whoa. wasn't. You know, I I went to to a, a gig yeah, now a couple of years ago, and I I could you know I could barely tell what people were wearing. I was mm. so far away because mm. I wasn't allowed to be closer. Mm. You know, and um, in the in McCroom. It was um, it was very easy for them to be, to be close. So I guess um, this I guess this might. Uh, sorry, Roz, I keep cutting yeah. across you. My apologies. Not at all. If I. No, I, 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 I just I'm, I keep cutting across you and I'm, I'm, I'm apologetic for that because you're in the course of telling me something and I'm, I'm looking at something else and, and, and jumping onto it. But essentially, basically, people were able to get, uh, uh, you know, there was a there was an openness and, a, and an access that there isn't anymore. Really. Exactly. And actually, another thing that the committee made sure of also is that there was a festival club um, and anybody could go to it. You know, there wasn't a cordoned off spot, you know, for the stars. Mm. Um, mm. You could, you know, you could go if you wanted to, you know. Mm. And uh, I, I, that's that's nice if you can if you can get away with it. You know, mm. I mean, you know, these days everything is kind of bigger and it's more policed and everything. Yeah. It's all a bit sanitized, isn't it? You know, yeah. I, yeah. I find that anyway. You then know, again, uh, I I grew up right with um, uh, so I'm from Dundalk originally, and I grew up with a friend from out in Ravensdale, uh, north of Dundalk and the in, in um, the start of the, the Cooley Peninsula. Uh, it's the gap of the north is where Ravensdale is, is on, on route to Newry. And my friend was Thomas Cunningham and he was of the Lennox Cunninghams. And they turned out to be cousins of Henry Mount Charles. Oh, so yeah. I only kind of know this now looking back, but at, at a tender age, I that's how I ended up at Slane in 87 for Queen. Or was it 80, 87 for Queen and 88 for Bowie? Ah. Oh. Yeah. And I remember sights and sounds from then, and it was wild. So oh, I hear what you. I agree with you on the sanitized, and it's overly, yeah. overly um, officiated. Yeah. Let's say because of health and safety and insurance. At the same time, some of what I saw back then, you're like, <laughs> it's probably good that they've controlled things a little bit more. There were some crazy scenes. Yeah, um, well, you know, the exception, uh, you know, as I as I think in in defence of today, mm-hmm. I went to see John Grant recently mm-hmm. up in um, St Luke's. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, this is actually what I want, what I want to be, you know, how I want to see my musicians, you know, mm-hmm. because you are close. You're not you're yes. not you're not at any kind of remove at all. I mean, it was and it was COVID, you know, it's only, mm-hmm. only about you know, six weeks ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And we were all wearing our masks and everything. But, you know, he was close enough for me to, to almost see his eye colour, you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that's great. I, that's what I want. You know, when I mm-hmm. go to see somebody, I, I don't want to be a whole playing field away from um, from and looking at something on the screen. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like it, it's a compensation, but it's mm-hmm. not as, uh, you know, as, as I would wish it. And, uh, and I think, you know, McCoon got away with that, mm-hmm. you know, for, for the years that they did it. Uh, I stopped sharing the screen. 
screen because I briefly had that uh, moment of panic that I'm sure everybody does when they're, you know, recording a, a, a chat on Zoom where they're like, am I actually recording this? I know. Because I know. this is a great yeah. convo and I would uh, be uh, aghast if it ended up. It's happened to me before. I did a whole chat with uh, Gavin James and both of us thought the other was recording. Um, and I finished the, the whole thing and I, I was talking to the manager and I was like, so will you send me the, the and he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, so anyway, oh, no, 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 yeah, no, no. anyway, anyway, we, were, we, we are recording. So that's great. Uh, people will uh, be able to watch this if they wish. And if they've delved this deep, well, well done to you. Um, but it's a good Cork story. And that's uh, why it's a Cork History Matters podcast. Um, we can recognize, I think, the main square in McCroom there. Uh, yeah. there's, the, there's the Perks truck advertising its wares down down y'all, presumably. presumably. Yeah. And and I guess the, the Mike Murphy on the main on the stage in the town reflects the kind of the, the nature of it. it wasn't a one day festival. It was a week long with a very variety of events because it looks like there's scouts in front of them yes so yes and, and there were there band were, members oh there were lots of uh lots of parades of scouts and sports people going through the city it was like a gala let's just t- what, gala. what do we have Call let everybody gala. out let everybody out <laughs> there's this shine up the brass buttons put on the, the hat get out and do have a march around and put a smile on and because i see probably some sort of trad session maybe going on, on the stage or at least there's a, a yeah few, uh, oh there was a lot of irish dancing and and you know people like um padre Rieda. i mean like the the irish contingent was by no means ignored you know i mean between planet and horselips and paul brady and oh my like a terrific range of of uh, of acts you know of artists and the bothy band and uh, phil Linnett, of course and rocky de valera and freddie white um who is still going strong and i i, I mean he's he's getting better and better i think but um but, but the area there you know there was a mass you know one of the area the masses was was uh, performed um, as it often is now at funerals, but um, so that element wasn't uh, forgotten by any means. So, mm. you know, when you're talking about um, rock concert, I guess it was a bit broader in the long term um, than that. It was a, it was a music festival. Well, that might have been. I'm, I'm just uh, on a slight aside, a lovely documentary by the granddaughter of Padre O'Reilly uh, on T.G. Cahar over, yeah. over Christmas too, which was very interesting. It was. Um, but yep. but that that flavor feels very Irish. Um, but it might have fed into Liz Dunvarna then, which had a similar mix. And Christy Moore was reflecting on how that was what was so great about it, and that it sort of um, it it kept that. Uh, and actually, like I was at one of the trip to tips as well, and it 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 sort of had a sort of a, a wide variety of of styles of acts. Yeah. I mean, I remember Nancy Griffith and her Blue Moon Orchestra were there, and and you know, there were, there were, there were all sorts really, um, yeah. and and I think that's probably a good thing. So Mike is doing his comparing thing, which is something I like to do myself. It's always yeah. fun to be out on stage, and be directing yeah. people, and pointing yeah. them around. And here's this, and here's here's people who can do things. How'd you go and do something? <laughs> um, but we'll just scan down, maybe just to to conclude, Roz, and thanks for your for the, the your time and, and oh, that's all all pleasure. Um, I mean, the Johnny Rotten. Uh, so, oh, he was being presented with a Hot Press Award. He was. And he was put on a plane to Ireland. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't take the seats that he was meant to be in beside the organiser, whoever, sat between two nuns and revealed to them, uh, even though the start of that sentence sounds uh, very wrong, but um, yeah. actually the end of the sentence is pretty wrong too, that he was wearing a priest's uniform underneath. Yeah. Because Johnny Rotten likes to be provocative. That's that's what he does. I mean, that's what I, punk is. I was in uh, I was in Reykjavik when he opened um, a punk um, museum in uh, in a set of lavatories, public lavatories, and he was on the plane coming home, and he was just scanning the waiting room, like for somebody who'd give him attention, you know, he, nobody was taking any notice of him. And um, I mean, I knew him of old, of course, and I, I had I had had a quick look at that um, museum, you know, which is mm. uh, it's mm. hard to call um, mm. public lavatories a museum, but that's what it is <laughs> in yeah. Reykjavik. And um, he he had opened it and that's why he was there. So, I mean, he does. That's that's what he does. You know, I don't you know, he's he's. Uh, 
he seems to have made a life for himself with that kind of uh, activity. But, you know, it was for for the the committee, it was frustrating that that kind of attention would be given and taken off the the, the real value, you know, of, yeah. of musicians who, you know. Yeah. And, and even the, the sort of thing that could cause people to go, hang on a second, what's going on here and who are these lads and how do we shut them down? Because... You know that that could uh, the Cimarrons will will we'll leave people find out that story for themselves. But uh, it, involves, it involves the sorts of uh, stereotypical things that people might associate with a reggae band from Jamaica and what they I might be and what they know, might be smoking on the way over. The Cimarrons were the funniest people ever to interview because I had to get the, I tried to get them all together and just get them to bounce off each other, you know. And we were doing it on like. I think WhatsApp, I don't think there was even Zoom at that five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, or f- yeah, five, mm-hmm. it's five years ago, is it four years ago? Um, but they all used to meet on a Saturday night and um, because they've, they don't play a lot now nowadays, you know, it is 40 years later. And um, I, I, I had to come home from something to, to, to be there, you know, to be at home to, to record them. And they were hopping around. They were still wearing the big hats, the big knitted hats over the dreadlocks and everything. Oh, they were a, they were really great fun and so nice, you know, very kind and uh, and fun. And they, you know, they were going on about how lovely it was in the room with the warm feeling they had and everything. And you know, and they had they had brought in some their their stash, you know. And oh, I mean, you know, it, like that was it was so normal to them, you know, to have a few sniffs, you know, and it like it wasn't hard drugs, you know. I say. <laughs> so. It's just we live in we live in such a, a world of cancel culture that I think we'll 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 you know I, yeah, there's plenty we could say. Um, but I, I love the fact that they did actually get stopped by a plain clothes uh, officer, um, who I, I'm not sure whose story this is. Is this don't this could be Donald Gallagher's story? I think because did he end up being like did he end up carrying on as part organizer? Uh, or, sorry, no, or is this maybe no. this is just a quote from from the book from you? I, I think that was the Simmons themselves, actually. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because um, I remember because they were stopped because somebody had had come up to them and said, "Would you like this? You know, would, would you like this?" And uh, with, a, with a big spliff, a little spliff, and um, and he said, uh, "Oh, so that's nice." He said, "No, there you are. No, there's a bit of uh, Kerry Gold for you. You know, I grew it myself. <laughs> I call it Kerry Gold." <laughs> Mad. Um, uh, so Brendan Grace is in there and he had a wiry, and this is, it is amazing as well when you go through the history of stuff in Ireland and you discover who was where and what they were doing before they later became what they became or whatever, yeah. uh, the, the road that they took themselves. So Brendan Grace uh, recently departed. Uh, his assistant, Rody was a funny little wiry young fellow by the name of? Exactly, of uh, Brendan O'Carroll. Brendan O'Carroll, Mrs. Yeah. Brown's boys. I, exactly, isn't that funny? You know, um, it's and you know, I, I Johnny Lappin now. I was listening to on the documentary as well, um, and he was the roadie for um, a guy who played the violin, the kind of jazz violin, Joe O'Donnell. Um, and that that was his job at the time, and he he had has a story in the book about uh, turning up and only half the equipment was had arrived ahead of him, and uh, he had to uh, he had to follow it up. Let's say that was his job, but um, you know there was it's it is quite interesting actually to see where where they are now, and you know because I I did try to do that with a lot of the bands, you know what were they what were they up to, and a lot of them are are doing much the same. Like for example, um. Gallagher's guitarist Jerry McAvoy has a kind of he, he doesn't like to call it a tribute band but a band that plays Rory Gallagher's uh, music and others um, and other and they a lot of them at the time they go up to Ballyshannon you know um, when, where there's a, a Rory Gallagher festival every year so a lot of them are are keeping on going you know um, mm-hmm. with with their music which I'm I'm, I'm glad to see. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of them are, are super talented. I mean, you know, Maddie Pryor in Lindisfarne is still going strong. You know, that was a name kind of back, back sort of to I suppose probably the sixties maybe. Um, 
And I'm still in touch with Jenny Han, actually. She had a band called Lion. And um, we're just in touch on, on uh, Facebook. Um, she's a grandmother now. <laughs> and there she was in this, uh, you see her in the book, she's in this white outfit with a big circle cut out of her uh, out of her front, um, exposing her navel, imagine. Ooh. <laughs> and ooh. and uh, well, she's, she's lovely, you know. And uh, a few people I've, I've kept in contact. Well, I guess anyone who was 20 is now 60. And anyone who was 30 is now 70. Uh, and anyone who is 35 to 40 is, is uh, I think people can do the, the math yeah, on that. Um, so yeah. I guess it does. Uh, yeah. But the, 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 the fact about it is, is that it was Ireland's first rock festival and it paved the way for all the rest to come. And it uh, could only have happened in Cork. Uh, which is beautiful. <laughs> and your book documents it all. And this conversation was a, an effort at doing that too. We'll maybe just finish, Roz. Uh, with that last little bit there um, that people have probably read because I've had the screen shared for for so long so anybody could have read all these bits never mind me being coy about the Simran story they could read it right in front of them uh, Niall Stokes who and I think Hot Press began in 78 so it really was sort of the beginning of a lot the beginning yeah. of, of, of a lot and Slain then began just, just on into the 80s because actually again the documentary how Ireland rocked through the 70s was it? Hang on yeah how Ireland rocked the 70s mm obviously finished before the 80s, but it did have one story of the rats, the Boomtown rats. Um, so obviously you'd Rory Gallagher's Ireland's first rock hero. Then you'd Tin Lizzy, you'd the rats. I guess you'd Van Morrison up north as well. So they were the, the big Irish names, really. Mm. Um, but uh, the rats the were... undertones. You know. The undertones, of course, yeah. yes. Yeah. Teenage kicks. Um, yeah. But the rats were coming back and they were to do a gig in Dublin and it got pulled on them or they weren't allowed to do it and then oh, they yeah. refused to leave because, you know, Geldof saw the opportunity to turn it into a bit of a sort of a, a publicity sort of, or, you know, he standing, right. st sticking by his principles. Um, but they ended up doing a gig, possibly in the aforementioned Guinness place in Kildare. It's like Lord Ivey or someone. Yes, he rescued the situation. That's right. I heard that on, on the documentary that he, he came in and said, well, right, you can't play there, play here. Yes, no, uh, but I'm that could have influenced to something uh, else. That, But, uh, you know, you, you'd wonder uh, if we were ever to get the chance to chat to him, Henry Mount Charles might be like, I was at that gig and that's where I thought, you know what, I've got a field that is a natural <laughs> amphitheatre um, framed by the River Boyne uh, in yes. Slane. Uh, why don't I bring a few uh, acts to there? And boy, did he. Yeah. I think Lizzie began yeah. that one. Amazing. And then it was, you know, Bruce Springsteen, uh, David Bowie, Queen, Madonna, Bon Jovi, um, Guns N' Roses, any any number of, of massive acts uh, have played in that. And we hope it comes back again. Yeah. Um, but well, all, yes, it, exactly. I mean, and and many more. I mean, there must, I, I don't know, I suppose spaces are becoming smaller, really, with, with massive building and development. Well, also, and I kind of up. think, like, the acts that can fill those sorts of places... I mean, it, it's it's hard to see. It's it, it will be interesting to see in thirty years' time who will be the stadium acts. I mean, will they be holograms of the role? I saw the Rolling Stones in Croke Park a, a, a number of years back, and um, without any meaning to be disrespectful, I kind of thought it'd be a bit of a sort of a nostalgia thing. It'd be like nice to see them. Oh my God, what a full-on rock and roll band who played for I don't know how long, but like two hours plus. I mean, I was imitating Mick Jagger doing his kind of, he's got this hand thing that he does. I was imitating it so much that my arm started to hurt. He's 70 plus. They were, and Charlie Watts, God rest him, but like what a full on, like a blues rock and roll band. They did a little blues section bit, which is, you know, because in a way, in a way they sort of took the, the blues music, the black blues music of the States and, and made it acceptable for a, a white audience, arguably. Certainly they blew up in Britain playing, playing black blues music and then brought that black blues music to a white audience in America, which was the kind of weird revolutionary thing. But they did a little blues section in the gig in Croke Park and it was in, it was brilliant. Like, uh, what a band. I, I think Bruce Springsteen is, is forever going to fill a stadium. You know? yeah, but what he? I mean is, is in that in 30 years time, who, who, who will be the acts that will do it? I mean, well, no. there will be some. I yes. think there will be. I, and by I the way, much talent, you know, a lot of people might find this strange, certainly when we're talking about the likes of the Stones or Bruce Springsteen or, you know, um, there's there's a, there's a lot of people would underestimate the likes of a Coldplay, who I also saw in Croke Park, who yeah. I might have thought, you know what, I like their songs on the radio. You know, I'm not sure if as a band there's, there's as much depth as there might be to these other acts. But let me tell you. 
Mm-hmm. I've never seen a stadium bounce in the manner and the means by which Coldplay did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, pyrotechnically, lights, they they just, they, they, they brought something to it that I've never seen before. Literally the whole stadium bounced for the whole gig. And it was, they actually tried to bring it down for their encore and do a little kind of tender, quiet little thing. And no <laughs> one had any interest because we were, you know, people were like, they were just, it was, I've never seen so many fireworks. I don't know how they made a profit on the gig. Wow. But but anyway, lots of people might be like, eh, Coldplay, trust me. Yeah. If, if if what I saw that day is replicated whenever anybody goes to see them, you'll yeah. see you'll see a show and a half. But yeah, I don't know. The, the, the major big stadium acts aren't as prevalent and music has changed so much that you just wonder. I mean, is it Drake? Is it Snoop Dogg? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And by the way, I like both of those acts, but I mean, yeah. are they are they the stadium filling acts of the future? I, I Time will tell. Yeah, well, I think there'll always be talented people, you know, and I think people recognize talent. And I mean, you look at the, you know, the newish talent now, like, um, uh, uh, who am I thinking of? Uh, who's the Irish act? Very good um, Irish guy on his own. What, Niall uh, Horan? Uh, no. Um, Are we going pop? Are we going... Yeah, it's still pop. Yeah, I mean, not as poppy as Nile Horan, but... Let me see. Oh, Dermot Kennedy. Dermot Kennedy, exactly. You know, and people like him who write their own music. Mm. You know, I think people Mm. appreciate that. Well, again, um, and and, and, um, Ed Sheeran as one man and a guitar. Now, obviously, he loops the guitar, but... That gig was was oh. extraordinary for one person and his and his guitar. It's the kind of music yeah. he's making at the moment. I don't think he'll be able to do it on his own without a band, which would be interesting to see yeah. when he comes back to court this year. But um, listen, this has developed into a nice old um, uh, extra <laughs> ex- extra ended musical chat. Um, but it was about the Mountain Dew Festival in the crew. <laughs> um, Where it all started. <laughs> a tip of the hat to to all those who were involved in making it happen and and, oh. uh, and making sure that that Irish rock uh, that festivals music festivals in Ireland. Modern rock music festivals began in Cork. Uh, where you know where better could it have begun? Um, and I'm grateful <laughs> to you, Rose Crowley, for your chat. A pleasure, Mike. Thank you. Mountain Dew. Dave. Yes, yes, Dave. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's all right. Do you know what? Thank Look, you. just just yeah. before we finish, let's uh, just throw it back up for people to see. That's the book there. McCrew mm-hmm. Mountain Dew: Memories yeah. of Ireland's First Rock Festival, Waterstones, and Nano Nagel. And, and online here. On Douglas Street and online. Ross Crowley, thank you so much. Lovely. You've been listening to a Red FM podcast. For more extra content, go to redextra.ie.